Hello and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline, naturopathic doctor and owner of the Wellness Trinity, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. What we discuss in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What you do with the information is to be used at your discretion as the recommendations are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any diseases. So today I have a special guest on the show. Um, This is my friend Michelle Bacall and she is someone that I met when I was at Hippocrates Health Institute studying all about the, the whole raw vegan food movement and um, actually it takes it a whole step further than raw food, living foods. We're even taking a step further than that and doing all kinds of sprouted stuff and sticking meat dressed juice up her butt and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Good times, good times. Good times. So thank you, Michelle, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you asking me to do this. Just so you guys know, Michelle is 26 years old. She's from Sarah, New York, and um, she had a vertical sleeve gastrectomy. Gastrectomy, yes. A gastrectomy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On August 30th, 2017. She became sober on July 6th, 2014. Um, She is a level one meditation instructor and nanny. She loves Jesus and is a follower, and she is also a vegetarian. Michelle, why don't you go ahead and just, you know, explain, we're we're here talking today about weight loss, just sharing your journey, because I know that your story, I've been watching you and following you on um, Facebook ever since I, um, we left Hippocrates in 2011, and oh my gosh, it's just been so inspiring, even for me, you know, I mean, I wasn't even ever really that overweight, but just watching you just gets me encouraged every time. You know, when you're with all your posts and on what you're doing and how much weight you've lost. And I, so I just know that you're going to encourage a lot of people that are have kind of lived your journey as well, too. I'm going to let you go into that a little bit more detail and, and just share maybe where you started with all this. Okay. So basically, my heaviest weight was recorded at 390 pounds. That was like the heaviest I was. It was definitely after I left Hippocrates because I didn't stick to the program there, but I don't blame that for my weight gain. I just kind of went off track and started using drugs and I was still young. You know, when I left there, I was 18 years old and I got into drugs and really didn't care about my body at all. And at one point I was an IV heroin user for a long time. And through that, caring about my body was probably the last of my concern. And after going through that and getting sober in July of 2014, um, I still did not care about my body. I just wanted to get sober because I was like on the path of death. And so after getting sober and after being sober, sober for about a year, I started my weight loss journey in 2015 because I had a revelation where it's like, okay, you're sober, you're clean, you're not putting chemicals in your body anymore, but what kind of food are you putting in your body? Like I stopped being vegan, I stopped being vegetarian when I was using drugs and into the beginning of my sobriety and 
it wasn't ever anything that I believed in to eat that kind of food. I always believed in vegetarianism and veganism. And so I went back to being vegan um, 100% and started caring about what I put in my body more and more. And through diet alone, just from changing back to vegan, I lost on my own about 60 pounds. And then I hit a plateau and started exercising and started looking into surgical options. And because I was still overweight, I was still like 300 and some pounds, whatever 390 minus 60 is, I can't do the math right now. But, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is, I decided, okay, I did what I could do on my own. And I started exercising at that point, I joined a gym here in Syracuse called Rise Above Wellness with Ryan Logana. And my friend Kristen Wilson has actually introduced me to that gym facility. And I hated working out in the beginning, you know, I hated working out my entire life, because that wasn't something that I don't know, it just didn't feel good. Obviously, like growth never feels good. Like the uncomfortability that comes with growing, Mm. it's growing pains. And it's Mm. like, it doesn't feel good. But that gym definitely gave me a different outlook on exercise. And so I it was a whole year process to have the vertical sleeve gastrectomy done, which is the newer surgery. It's a bariatric surgery that is not the gastric bypass, which a lot of people assume. It's a newer surgery that is less invasive and doesn't cause malabsorption in the stomach so that I'm able to eat regular food and take my vitamins and my supplements and my medication without having to suffer from malabsorption, which a lot of cases in gastric bypass patients, um, they have that. And so on October of 2017, I got that procedure done. And you know, a lot of people say that the bariatric surgery is an easy way out, quote unquote, but it truly is not. Like in the beginning, the drastic weight loss happens, but if you don't continue to use it as a tool, which is what it is, the weight gain can happen in the next year because the first year is when all the initial weight loss happens. And then after that, it's on you to use that tool to be able to maintain the weight loss or lose more weight if you want to. So now being almost two years out from surgery, you know, I could eat probably the same amount of food I was able to eat before having the procedure done. But it's just the fact that I know that my stomach now can only hold six ounces of food at a time. And so everything that I eat, I weigh. And now I am very much into bodybuilding and weight training and um, powerlifting. And so I went from being vegan to vegetarian now just because I wasn't able to get in the proper calories with the amount that I'm able to eat. So I am vegetarian now, 100%. Um, The only dairy I eat is basically non-fat Greek yogurt and then fat-free cottage cheese for protein. About a year into my post-op from um, the vertical sleeve gastrectomy, I had lost already 160 pounds, but I had a plateau. I hit a plateau of like eight months long. Eight months long, I had a plateau where I wanted to lose 20 to 25 more pounds, and I couldn't, you know? And so... I saw my trainer, Ryan Logana at Rise Above Wellness, who also um, 
is now my macro coach and he gave me specific macro nutrient numbers to hit where I can be able to manipulate my diet so that I can kickstart my weight loss again. Because like I said, the surgery helps that initial drastic weight loss in the beginning, but afterwards it was up to me to be able to continue and to hit my goal weight. You know, I started at 390 pounds. Right now I'm at 208 pounds. That's a total of 172 pound weight loss. And my goal weight is anywhere between 195 to 200. So I only have to lose around 10 more pounds. I started the macronutrient manipulation with my macro coach about two and a half months ago, and I'm down another 15 pounds. The reason being is because even though I was exercising, weight training, doing the gym five to six days a week hard, I wasn't looking at my caloric intake, you know, and it's, it's easy enough to say, but hard enough for people to register that if you are not in a caloric deficit, you're not going to lose weight. And the, and the problem was that I was probably eating too much fat and too much protein and not enough carbohydrates. I needed carbohydrates to be able to replenish my system after the energy expenditure that I was putting into the gym. So now what my daily caloric intake looks like is 1,815 calories a day. And what those calories consists of is 140 grams of protein, 200 grams of carbohydrates, and 55 grams of fat. And the way that that's added is carbohydrates and protein is four calories per gram and fat is nine calories per gram. So that's how that um, addition is made. And now in my journey, I'm looking into getting skin removal surgery, which is something that a lot of people who have had drastic weight loss struggle with. And that's something that I'm like severely struggling with right now is the excess skin on my stomach getting in the way of my workout, getting rashes. Right now I'm in that process of making consultations with different surgeons, plastic surgeons. Oh, that's my cat. (laughs) (laughs) And trying to get that removed. Um, I've had a couple consultations in the past month. I have one um, at the end of this month. And I'm also looking into medical tourism, which I know a lot of people have judgments towards, but I'm researching all my options. What is medical tourism? So medical tourism is looking for surgery and medical procedures to be done out of country. Oh, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Right. Um, Actually, I just knew, uh, I know a a lady that just went to Mexico for some type of gastric surgery. Um, I'm not sure exactly if it was the same you did or a different one. Yeah, she straight went to Mexico too, so... (laughs) A lot of people do actually, because I talked to my bariatric surgeon who is like my main doctor that I have right now. And he said a lot of people go to Mexico to even get the procedure that I have done, done down there because their insurance didn't cover it. Thankfully, my insurance covered the procedure, but my insurance will not cover any form of plastic surgery to remove the skin, even though my doctor has documented over a year that I've had like rashes because of it and all that. They don't they don't look at that as a medical necessity rather than a cosmetic issue. But mm-hmm. even he said that people have gone to Mexico for plastic surgery. And um, that's something that I'm looking into now and doing my research and making sure to have all the information and not ruling out anything just because of other people's misinformation right. and judgments. Yeah. 
you know what? I love that you're mentioning that because I think that this is, you know, that's something to think about and wherever someone is in their health journey, whether it's weight loss or whether it's um, trying to do something for cancer or, or whatever they're dealing with diabetes. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of, and I see a, a lot of people have to kind of break through that barrier of what is everyone else saying to be able to get the real answers that they need. And a right. lot of times we even get in this situation because we are surrounded by the wrong influences around us that don't have the right answers. And so in order for someone to really um, get the right answers, we have to kind of be forward thinking and, and be able to not always be accepted in what we're thinking and, and just be, you know, want to do what we feel is right. So I have to make decisions like that all the time in my business as well. Right. And if you're looking into the information and doing the research necessary and really weighing out the pros and cons and making sure that what you're looking into is reputable and safe, then I commend you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but people will automatically have judgments mm -hmm. about medical tourism, about it being unsafe, dirty, and dangerous. But that's just, that's just because a lot of people watch the show botched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. So um, let's retrace a little. So how long in the first place were you overweight? Um, I've been overweight my entire adult life. Um, even when I was younger, I was just like the type of child that always wanted to eat <laughs> constantly. And I don't want to say it's genetics, but my entire family and even like society, friendships, everything is based around food. Everyone is constantly going out to eat as a social thing. It's socially acceptable to go out to eat and to have large portions and to, when I was younger, making sure your plate is clean, making sure you eat everything on your plate, even if you are already full, that's just something that you had to do. And a lot of people are raised like that. And so from an early, early age, I was always very overweight and very uncomfortable with my body. And even through middle school and high school, struggled finding clothes that could fit me. And it was something that I struggled with for a long time up until I really researched and found out through experimentation and experience, diet and exercise and manipulating the foods that I eat and manipulating what I could do with my body in the gym. Okay, so now that we know kind of how well, your history... Um, up until you went to Hippocrates, what ended up leading you to Hippocrates, you and your mom? Because your mom was in my class too, which I, I love her. She, she was such a sweet lady. <laughs> well, I was vegan. I became vegan when I was 13 or 14 years old, just on my own through like seeing things on the internet. And she invited me to Hippocrates mainly because I struggled um, with depression at an early age. Uh, I was institutionalized for suicide attempts a lot during my high school years, and and she thought that that would help, and it definitely did. But um, it helped more with like weight loss and stuff. But I just didn't. Coming back to New York, the programs that we learned in Hippocrates and the foods and lifestyle there wasn't available or readily available, I should say, for me here. But again, I think that it was because I may have just gone at such an early young age. I was 18 years old. I wasn't done experimenting, you know, mm -hmm. with, with being young and like 
I was more into having influences around me telling me what I should do. And it, but if I would have gone probably at this age, probably would have been more beneficial to me. But I'm so grateful that my mom had me go there because I still use my, um, the fact that I'm a level one meditation instructor today. You know, from time to time, I go to a location here in Camillus, New York called um, Professional Counseling Services. And on multiple occasions, I've led a meditation group there for their outpatient program for people who are in drug and alcohol outpatient rehabilitation there. And so it still helps me today with that. And that's probably the most that I've taken away from it is the meditation aspect. Oh, that gave me chills when you said that. That's my uh, certification right there. <laughs> the oh, really? Yeah, Hippocrates is a little bit up. I'll show you. Right there in the middle. <laughs> that's, aw that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't use it myself personally, um, like to teach, but it's nice to have them all, I guess. <laughs> but just um, like how people are judgmental about medical tourism, people would also be judgmental about the fact that we did wheatgrass enemas. Right, right, right. <laughs> And you I know. tell all my clients now how to do enemas, but it all came from Hippocrates. I had no idea I was in a thick water and wheatgrass up my butt. <laughs> right. <laughs> you had no helps. Idea <laughs> do you ever do those though? No, I don't, but I definitely learned about Garden of Life through Hippocrates, and those are all the vitamins and supplements that I take now because of that. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, I can't stress those enemas enough to people. I mean, it took me a second to get on those when I was at Hippocrates, but the lady Susan I was living with just pushed me one day, like a week after we started and was like, are you doing your enemas and implants? And I was like, Oh uh, no. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, uh, cause I was getting acne. I was breaking out from. The oh people. really? And, uh, I, I mean, I would get acne in my, my past too. It was just, uh, you know, when your, your organs are all clogged up, it starts to come out of your skin. And so for me, when I started probably extra detoxing with all the, the plant-based food we're eating and these supplements and, all that um, she could tell I was having a hard time detoxing probably and so I, I finally just sucked it up one day and did the enemas and uh, I was like this is why we do these <laughs> and then I was on it for like four weeks after that all, consistently every day I even had emotional releases doing those enemas have you ever had one of those I can't say that I have but I definitely don't know how my fiance would feel about me laying on my side in the bathroom floor doing wheatgrass <laughs> enema. He'd probably look at me sideways and be like, "What the <laughs> hell is wrong with you?" So you have to do it when he's not there then. <laughs> right, he's definitely like a meat eater. We're we're very different, but we're also we're both very diet and fitness oriented, but he's a meat eater and I'm not. <laughs> that's funny well you know what i'm glad that you haven't made it like uh like a religion i think that sometimes that that can happen in, in the health space is we make whatever diet that we're doing that it's like the end all be all to everything and and uh then we judge other people <laughs> if they're not doing that then they must be totally wrong and not oh, no. you know good to the environment or whatever but i i personally think you know the biggest thing is these toxins in the food um, and that's what really needs to be dealt with. And whether someone's going to eat meat or not, uh, and it's obviously not put, healthy to put hormones and chemicals and garbage in our body. So Right. When I was vegan, I judged other people who ate meat hardcore and, and even into my vegetarianism. But I realized that that doesn't help anything. And right. it never makes people want to stop eating meat when you're judgmental. Right. Um, I'm all for eat 
whatever you want as long as it suits your caloric intake based on your energy expenditure in the gym if you work out. And I eat whatever I want as long as it's vegetarian and I track my food and I weigh out all my food. But people may say it's like weird because I don't really go out to eat anymore. I don't go out to restaurants, but and they say that's weird, but it's like I said, just because it's a social norm to go out to eat. That's a right. social thing that people do. But it's like when I go out to eat, I never really know what's being put in my food as opposed to when I'm eating at home. I know everything that's going into my body. Right. Right. You know, I've gotten to that point too with me and my husband and who knows not only what's put in our food, but what is in the actual food itself. It's hard to find organic restaurants. I, my prayer is that that just kind of explodes like some of the other types of health food restaurants are kind of getting out there. In Las Vegas, there's actually a lot of people making vegan restaurants or vegetarian um, or just something that's a little bit more health and fitness related in, in terms of their types of restaurants that are, that are coming, but it's not necessarily organic. And that's where my heart hurts. <laughs> right. I just wish that they were organic. I don't want toxins in my food. That's like, so hard to ask. So I find myself cooking more most of the time as well too, where my husband cooks. And, um, you know, that's just, it is what it is. So you're not the only weirdo out there. I, we're weird too. <laughs> well, well, little weirdo club. <laughs> I mean, good for you for eating organic. I'll try to buy organic if it's not too much more expensive, but I, I, I normally go for the cheaper option. <laughs> well, you got to do also, you know, um, you know, that all that itself can almost be like a religion too. It's just, we can make anything our God, even that, you know? And so I'm not here to judge anyone that's not doing that because I understand too, if someone can't afford it, then they can't. But sometimes people even can't afford it, but it's just like their money might be going to Starbucks every day or McDonald's and, you know, right. not in the place that it could be. So, I swear if I, if I hear one more thing about the keto diet, I might blow my brains out. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like everyone here is on keto. Everyone's doing the ketogenic diet and it's just all these fad diets make me want to blow my brains out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, after, so, you know, I visited with you at Hippocrates and then I did that for like three years. I wasn't feeling too good. So I started eating a little meat and I uh, feel much better doing that. But, um, it, and, you know, and then after studying other perspectives more too, and you know, keto, the paleo and other practitioners that are in the space, um, and then doing my own testing with my clients, myself, I realized that everyone's a little bit different. So you can't just say everyone needs to eat tons of fat and everyone needs to eat tons of meat or yeah. I, I think there's a general idea and that's what I'll usually coach my clients with until we do extra testing that can show. But for example, I'll do hair mineral analysis testing and it actually breaks out your macros according to whether you're a fast or slow metabolizer. So right. if you are a slow metabolizer, you or whoever is doing this, um, then you actually need way less fat than the rest of the people. It's less than 20% or less, according to the hair mineral analysis um, series. And so if you're a fast oxidizer, then you need more fat. And mm -hmm. that's maybe about 30% or so. And um, that kind of made sense to me because if you're a fast oxidizer or a metabolizer, it's the same thing, you're burning more fat, you're burning more fuel, so you're just burning more. Um, the the fat actually slows the body down. So if you're too fast, it's, that's one thing that can kind of help slow the body down a little bit. But if you're slow, then having all that extra fat is not necessarily the best thing because you're already slow. So you don't need to slow the body down anymore. We need to speed up the metabolism. Right. So, yeah. So we can 
definitely have a whole discussion on that another day about yeah. analysis. Um, so, okay, so back to when you were, um, let's see, so you told us after you left Hippocrates, you felt like you weren't, you weren't really done experimenting. What really made you curious about experimenting with all these drugs anyway? I was prescribed oxycodone for uh, three herniated discs and two bulging discs that I have in my lumbar region in my back, which I still have since trying those opiates. I was introduced into different opiates and I became severely dependent and addicted to opiate drugs. And that is what progressed to heroin and then progressed to IV use. And yeah, but now, you know, um, as opposed to before, my back, obviously, I still have pain in my back, but the fact that I have lost all the weight and the fact that I have strengthened my back by doing specific exercises to strengthen my core and my back muscles, my recovery time from the gym um, or from doing any kind of physical activity is now maybe like 24 hours as opposed to before it was like seven days. Wow. Yeah, and you're probably absorbing your nutrients better as well, too. So if you get more magnesium and, and uh, nutrients like that, you just recover better. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but that that's incredible to know that um, a prescription drug is what led to you doing harder drugs. That was right. The open door. Um, and I won't blame it just on the prescription drugs. I was definitely hanging out with the wrong people. I was right. hanging out with people that were using drugs selling drugs and introduced me to the fact that there was a world outside of prescription drugs that could make me feel even 10 times better but that's what it led to Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's the other thing um and and it's the wrong people that also goes back to in the beginning you were talking about uh you grew up in a family that they, they tend to be overweight the people in your community they tend to be overweight so it was just normally accepted that yeah, to be overweight um, when that's not necessarily the healthiest um, thing to do, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's a good thing to note for people that are in that category of like that really need to lose weight is who's sur- who you're surrounding yourself by. Um, and even if someone is ill with a different type of um, disease or um, even a mental challenge, um, whatever it is that's off in their health or wellness, who are you hanging out with? Because if you're hanging out with the wrong people that don't support you in being healthy and, and whatever it is that's bringing you down, then, then how are we going to uh, you know, get past that? So, so now, you know, my curiosity is what was the tipping point that finally was like, I got to do something like this is not the lifestyle that I want for myself. Um, just to piggyback on what you said, even like the people that you surround yourself with, but also the people that you follow on social media, because Mm. I was following people who were posting things that were gossip and negative and all this stuff. And that was not aiding to me wanting to become the type of person that I am now. And, you know, even having friends that weren't doing unhealthy things at all, but still friends that were not growing to their greatest potential. And so, you know, not saying it caused me, but also like would aid me to like not be able to progress to where I would want to be. You know, having people in your circle that 
are constantly trying to better themselves or constantly trying to like become the best version that they could be will make me want to strive for that as well you know and then like and then like disassociating with like negative people on social media and like keeping the followers that I have to be like who I strive to be like you know them like motivating me and inspiring me Mm. um but but the tipping point um for like the drug use it was not based on like my own decision it was definitely like god intervened and got me arrested and i went to jail and did my time in jail and then went to an inpatient rehab facility down in florida and spent my time there and that was not based on my own decisions but based on just the fact that like god intervened and decided that he had a different plan for me honestly yeah um with my weight loss though it was getting to the point where i was just like uncomfortable and just so just unable to move comfortably unable to like sit comfortably unable to sleep comfortably um snoring at night like just like snoring went away um not having to use like seatbelt extensions on planes it's like the stuff that you don't think about like going out to eat and not being able to fit in the booth you know it's like those non-scale victories that is like even though the pounds have dropped it's like the things that i could do now that i haven't been able to do before i remember when i was overweight i wanted to go rock climbing and i couldn't fit in the harness you know, or like just walking around the lake with my mom and having to turn around halfway through because I couldn't finish it. Just definitely like non-scale victories. Okay, so you went to jail. And so something just clicked in when you were in jail? or I think something clicked when I was in rehab because I did not want to go to rehab. I didn't want to go to jail. I ended up going to rehab. And while I was in rehab, something clicked that I wanted to stay sober because the pe- the women that I was in rehab with, they were there for their seventh, eighth, twelfth time. And I did not want to go through that cycle over and over again. So I kind of just made a decision to take all the suggestions that were given to me and to take all the information that the counselors and group facilitators have given me and to stick to what they say to do so that I didn't have to be in that position. Mm. So it was, so you were inspired by other people. I don't want to say failure. I hate saying that word, but um, it's kind of that by other people repeating the same mistakes and not wanting to do that yourself. It was definitely not failure because I realized that like relapse is a part of like some people's story, you know, and And like alcoholism and addiction is definitely a disease of the brain, but Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to repeat that over and over again because I knew that I didn't have to. Like, that's the thing is like, I could make a decision to like not want to live that way anymore. And I could make a decision to take all the suggestions that are given to me and to practice like what is told to me without having to go through that over and over again. Mm -hmm. So have you ever had a relapse? No, I haven't. Not since getting sober. Wow, that's incredible. And it's been and how I've been again? it'll be five years this July. Have you ever had like um have you ever been tempted or like wanted it or I mean I would probably lie if I said I was I didn't want it, you know, like throughout my sobriety I've had my grandmother pass away, my cousin pass away, my first apartment in sobriety caught fire and lost everything that I owned and I and 
you know, going through like all these like trials and tribulations, like, yeah, my, my general solution in my head is like, let's get high, it'll make me feel better. But I try to keep in the forefront of my mind that like, if the problem is laid before me, and I get high, it's just like taking a blanket and putting it over the problem. The next day, I take the blanket off the problem is still there, it doesn't go away. So getting Mm -hmm. high doesn't really help or benefit anything. Food and drugs and alcohol, that tended to be like kind of like therapeutic for you in, in those times in the past, right? But right. now that you're, the big thing is you made that decision. You're like, I'm going in this direction. And you just never look back. In those times where you might have been tempted, you know, obviously in the past you might have wanted to use food and or maybe drugs and alcohol. When, when you're choosing not to use those things, you're being forced to deal with the problem at hand. How do you deal with those problems if you're not dealing with, you know, drugs and alcohol or or the food? Basically, just head on, you know, and sometimes when I have a problem, I have to realize that I don't have to deal with it in that second. You know, I could take a minute to cool off. A lot of the times I have a problem and going to the gym will help me just like re- amp my brain so that I could be able to deal with the problem without having this like emotional response. And so like, I've definitely replaced like food and drugs and alcohol with, you know, I go to AA meetings, I go to the gym, I go to therapy, I go to church. It's like using those outside resources that are readily available. But Obviously, those are positive outside resources, whereas before I would try to find any like negative thing that I could do to make myself feel better. But the problem is with that, it only lasts so long, you know, and I would be lying if I said like now, oh, I don't have drugs, I don't have food. I have food, I just don't have like the amount that I want or like the fact that I can't eat like a whole bag of hostess candies or whatever you know it's like oh let me go spend money like two hundred dollars at target to make myself feel better you know trying to like eliminate those quick fixes and instead using those available positive resources like therapy church the gym aa meetings so that i could be able to know what to do when problems arise problems Mm -hmm. arise it's very important as you know you're mentioning to have support a support system um or even people around you that can help you get through that challenge and like that, whatever we're dealing with, whether it's weight um, addiction or any type of other health challenge. Um, Because like you said, it's, there's going to be times where people are going to be tempted to want to go back to what they did, even though um, they know it wasn't good. So I'm glad that you brought up that it takes a team. And I always look at that as an approach when I see people here in the office too, or even abroad is, trying to figure out kind of where the disconnects are and um, maybe someone that needs a chiropractor in addition to what I'm doing, or maybe someone needs a hypnotherapist or maybe they need to do something at, at church. That was a nice picture. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's a good thing that you mentioned that. So people know when, when they are dealing with situations like that, that answered my last question that I was going to ask you. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention to people that might've been struggled with any of the challenges that you had? I don't think so. I think like the only thing that I have to say is that there is no quick fix. Like when people research like how to lose weight on YouTube online, there's always like this want and this need for this quick fix, but there is none. There is no quick fix. There's no fad diet. There's no magic pill 
to make you lose weight in the time frame that you want to lose weight. It's, it literally starts with the decision and it has to be consistency, dedication, and constantly showing up the next day mm -hmm. because it's like easily we could go to the gym for seven days and then not get the results we want and then quit. Well, yeah, obviously you're not going to get the results you want because you only stayed for seven days. You know, I started my weight loss journey in 2015 and we're already in mid 2019. It took years to get where I am now, but mm -hmm. it didn't happen overnight and it didn't right. happen, you know, because I was sporadic with my eating and my um, gym routine. Like I constantly showed up every day. I constantly just believed and trusted in the process and trusted my trainer and trusted my dietitian, my macro coach, um, my doctors, and just kept showing up. You know, it has to be like constant determination and consistent, a consistent positive mindset that like you could get to where you are, but it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. That is everything I always tell people. <laughs> I love that you said that, that there's no quick fix. That goes for every health challenge as well, too. And things like heavy metals can take a long time to detox. And, you know, sometimes when we're working to help just detox in the body, which is related to weight loss as well as a nice byproduct, a lot of times people just want to get healthy, want to have better skin, want to have the weight loss, whatever it is that they're feeling, more energy right away, and they get discouraged right away. So I've learned that I have to address to my clients that, hey, you might see a lot of results up front, like, like you, you lost a lot of weight up front, but there's a point where you just have to keep going, and it might not feel good all the time. I'm sure there was times where you were feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get up and go to the gym, or... Um, that's, that's exactly when you get up and go to the gym is when you <laughs> don't want to go. Like, the, I sometimes I'm like, I don't want to go to church. Sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like going to therapy, but it's like, as soon as I say, like, I don't want to do it, that's when I know I have to do it because that's my body telling me that I probably need it. Right, yeah. And, and then you had mentioned, too, that it, all of this starts with a decision. And I think that that's what's lacking with a lot of people that are not seeing the breakthrough that they want long term. You made that decision and you fully in your heart really accepted it. it it's one thing to just kind of be like, well, I want to. But then there's right. another side of it that's like, I really want this. <laughs> and you somehow had that you know, revelation in that you're just like, I really want this. I don't, I'm tired of that. Like, this is not suiting me over here. But over there, yeah. it looks like that's a much better, that's a much better way. And so it's not even a matter of wanting mm -hmm. it or needing it. It's just a matter of whether you're going to do it or not, because I wanted and needed it for a long time, but mm -hmm. it wasn't until I actually got up and put the footwork in and like did mm -hmm. the action and actually did it until I saw yeah. results. Right. And then that's, that's where uh, the being consistent part that you said. So first making that decision and two being consistent, good things, big things that happen in life don't just usually happen like this and that's it. It's, Mm -hmm. Things that are going to last, take that decision and, um, and then that consistently, consistency daily. So, um, so that was a great way to sum that up. Do you want to let the listeners know how to find you if they want to chat with you a little bit further about weight loss or anything? Yeah, sure. Um, my Instagram is just my first and last name. So it's Michelle with two L's underscore Bacall, be like a boy, A-K-A-L, just my first and last name. And um, I get like a lot of messages all the time about 
just how inspirational I am, which like sometimes is weird to hear, but like getting messages like that just motivates me to even continue doing what I'm doing. So that's the best way to reach me if you want to reach me through Instagram. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm excited for you. And I guess one thing I forgot to mention, you're engaged. Yeah. So that was a beautiful thing that happened <laughs> in your journey as well. I noticed. Like, oh my gosh, my friend. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. Congratulations. And I hope that encourages people listening to that, that um, <laughs> this podcast as well, that she took care of herself and ended up finding the love of her life along the way. <laughs> God, God definitely delivered him to me. I didn't find him, but I'm <laughs> so grateful because he is like the best guy in the world honestly yeah well <laughs> the lord always wants to uh, give us the best i i believe that so um yes you know he loves you so anyway thank you everyone for listening and watching the wellness trinity podcast again i'm dr jacqueline and i um, consult people worldwide with their health and wellness i test guests and create programs and specialized protocols for, for people to get back to homeostasis so thanks again michelle for coming to the show and we will chat with you guys again next week thank you thank you for listening to the wellness trinity podcast be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content see you on the next episode